Hello, everyone. I'm Ismail Pai Civico, and welcome again to the Civic Podcast. Now, today, I have a good friend of mine that joined me. Uh, her name is Natalie. And she'll be, well, basically, we'll be speaking a bit about the US, Europe, uh, identity politics, and all of this a bit. But Natalie, if you want to present yourself shortly, and then we can get into the conversation and dive into the, well, into all we've been speaking already, because we've been speaking for around two hours now on everything we want to speak about. So I think that'll be interesting to just dive into that. All right, awesome. Hi, um, I'm Natalie Migota. I am from Argentina. I'm currently living in New York. I am a queer Jewish woman. And I'm at finishing university now in May. I met Ismael in Brussels, but we're going to talk about that. And it's, I'm really happy to be here. My, just a uh, disclaimer, my politics lean mostly to the left. Um, and that's my bias. Mine too. So, <laughs> well, kind of. We'll speak yeah, about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you very much. Um, I think we could probably start with the way uh, we met each other. I will tell my version and then you tell me if, that, if that's the exact version because this story actually does, let's say, portray a bit what's happening today in society and how, well, it has some arguments to it in a, in a sense. So we were in a bar and she was with a friend uh, basically visiting Brussels. And, um, and, what and I was with two friends that came from Barcelona to visit me, Didac and Jordi. And what happened that we saw her basically being uh, harassed and by some, by some guys in the bar. And then we waved saying, yeah, like we know them or whatever. And then they joined us so they could basically escape from these, from these people. And then they realized we weren't that weird. And then they, they chilled out with us and we kept drinking. And then we basically hanged, hanged out the whole weekend uh, in Brussels. Is that more or less the, the right story or the right way yeah. of explaining it? No, you got it on point. Um, I was backpacking and, and my friend joined me. Um, so we were two women presenting people at a bar and, and a bunch of men from England um, were in Brussels and kept coming up to us. So we saw some friendly faces and it was great. Start of a great friendship. <laughs> it did. Yeah, it was two years ago, two, three years ago, more or less, uh, I'm guessing. And yeah, and it was, uh, I'm, it was interesting, th this story, because then we started speaking about, let's say, the, well, the oppression and the Me Too movement and everything that women are, are living today. Um, and especially the differences between the US and Europe in, in this specific matter. Um, could you please elaborate what we, speak, what, what we spoke about before, about what happened in that bar, or how can, how can that be a consequence, let's say, of today's society? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that bar was kind of like the, 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 the last straw, because I had, from my previous travels, experienced a lot of, of sexual assault by men. I think that it's, it's, it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot of men who were really drunk and just felt the right to, to talk to us and ask us about what we were wearing and why we were wearing it, asking us if we were together or not and making us really uncomfortable. And especially like looking at you guys and seeing across the room, like just three nice guys. It really, it was, you can't tell who, who wants to harm you or not, especially in, in, in a very patriarchal society that we're living now, especially in Brussels, where there is a lot of history of sexual assault and kidnapping so we yeah. kind of had to take a chance and we risked it and it was awesome that you guys were amazing and and had the same intentions of us but it's really difficult to tell nowadays who who would actually stand up to this very societal um form of aggression and and help us get out of it yeah because then also uh it was funny that well not necessarily funny depends on what way you, uh, <laughs> you, you see it but you, you you pretended to be a couple Throughout, yeah, we, throughout, we, throughout we the weekend. So, 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 so I'm guessing that's like a, uh, 
a defense mechanism. Because I have some Absolutely. friends, also some, uh, uh, some girlfriends that do the same thing, that when they go out together, they mostly pretend to be a couple. So, so people don't really come and bug them, uh, or specifically men come and bug them in, uh, yeah. in bars. Is that like something you usually do? Or just at that point, you said, okay, I must do that in Brussels because what I'm seeing, I don't like. Um, I, well, it's funny because now I'm out as a, as a queer woman. So I do actually date women and that is a circumstance sometimes. It's not, it's not an effective defense mechanism because some men will still feel some people entitled. prefer that. Some people prefer yeah, that. Yeah, they'll be, they'll still be entitled. They still feel entitled to your sexuality and to your partner. But at the moment it was more like, we knew that you guys were cool, but we didn't, we wanted to know more like your intentions. We didn't want to feel that you were just hanging out with us to eventually have sex with us. Um, so we kind of just wanted to show that wasn't an option from the beginning. Um, but yeah, that to some extent is definitely a defense mechanism. Because Sometimes you just want to go out. You just want to yeah, have indeed. a drink with a friend and, 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 not, and not have to deal with um, constantly getting hit on or getting sexually harassed. Yeah, I actually, uh, well, as a gay cis, uh, gay, uh, sorry, as a uh, heterosexual cisgendered uh, male, yeah. white male myself, uh, I've I've lived that quite a bit. Let's say in gay bars, because uh, mm-hmm. I usually uh, I used to go quite a lot to gay bars with with some friends of mine, and then that happened a lot also to straight men in gay bars. So then I think that that's the that's maybe when when men can actually feel what women do feel sometimes yeah, in bars. So it, it, it was interesting. That even that dynamic is, 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 is to some extent different because, because of the way that homosexuality is represented in media and in the Bible and in the government, yeah. gay men will always be seen as predatory. So the way that... Promiscuous. We, yeah, as, as not only promiscuous, but as predatory. Gay men have been painted in media as men who want to corrupt someone else's sexuality. And a lot of things that are mere kindnesses or are told to women that we should accept as kindnesses like someone getting you a drink or someone saying hi yeah. when it's when it's a gay man towards a straight man there is that sense of panic from the straight person even though they are in an immediate sense of, of danger because in terms of bodies and 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 your 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 privilege within your body um two men are at the same at the same sta- state if anything the straight man could beat a, a gay man up and get away with it because of how homophobic society is so I'm saying in terms of, of that, but yeah, the only way that, that I've been able to relate to some straight men um, about the constant persecution that I get by being a woman from straight men is by relating it to their experiences. But still, at least straight men get to walk out of the gay, they get to choose to go into a gay bar. They yeah. get to walk out of the gay bar, walk home safely to their house and, and be in their house safely. And I think that's something that I get harassed on my taxi on the way to the club, going into the club, going out of the club, on my way home, on my taxi home. So it's, it's you don't really choose where to go in, in, in never. In and, and it's prevalent. Yeah. Even even when I as a queer woman go to gay bars or, or lesbian bars, there still are straight men present and trying to trying to turn women. So it's just it there really isn't a a, a safe space for for people who don't want that sort of attention from from men. Do you think that's an issue specifically linked to heteronormativity or to just overall education of the population of manners that haven't been taught specifically or customs through either family or school or religion, even in that case? Uh, how, how do you view that? Well, I think that itself is heteronormativity. Those, those gender roles that are imposed is heteronormativity. Heterosexuality only exists because gender exists. And so in terms of, of even to 
you give a baby pink, uh, you give a girl, a, a female baby pink when they're born, and then you, you have to get sexually harassed at bars, they're all on the spectrum of heteronormativity and this sexuality and this assumption of you being imposed on you even before you get a chance to, to have a say on it. So it's, it's like this constant reaffirming of, of a system that you don't get to choose and then if you want to get out of it, you have to face the persecution of, of being gay or gender nonconforming. So I that think, all falls within the assumption of heteronormativity. Okay, I think that is also how it gets translated, let's say, throughout the years. Because I'm, 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 I'm going to take the example of the pink colour that they mm. just spoke about. Before the yeah. 30s, it was actually a manly colour. I know. Yeah, right? I know. So, yeah. so, so before the 30s, pink was a, was a manly colour. It was a colour for men. And, mm -hmm. and then later on, I'm not exactly sure what happened through history, but it became a girly colour. So nowadays, when a, when a girl is born, or say a biological girl is born... Uh... Well, actually, gay men were marked with pink during the Second World War, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. So that's why I started getting associated with femininity. Okay, okay. I did not know that. So that's, uh, yeah. so that's good to know. So basically, say, but then again, that comes to the idea, because then it's interesting between femininity and then feminism also, and LGBT and, and all of these uh, interlinked, let's say, movements. Um, because that will basically mean or how it's understood that gay men cannot be manly, right? Mm. So gay men have to be feminine in some way, although actually, in, and this is a funny story because I had a friend that, uh, and while well, we never knew he was gay, to, about he came out when he was like 17 or 18, he was uh, basically doubting his sexuality and everything. And I didn't even know till like a few months later when he already knew he was gay because I never actually saw him as gay. I mean, he was quite a manly man. And then at some point he felt the need to tell me. Um, and then that's also maybe how we associate, let's say homosexuality to, to femininity because specifically they are interested in the same sex. Or when women are considered tomboys, maybe because they're lesbians or maybe they're not even lesbian, they're just like men, they're just more tomboy. And this kind of, of mix of, we don't really know what masculinity and femininity, what, should, what it should represent. What, what do you think of masculinity and femininity and the roles a bit of those two? Well, I think that, again, goes back to um, we know that gender in the way it's presented, in the way that it exists now, and even marriage, the way that it exists now, is directly related to the church and to the inquisition and colonization and the imposition of Christian and Catholic values upon people across the world. So that the man, if, if we think about the role of the man, which is strong, which is a soldier, a warrior, a, a man that makes money. These are all reflections of what the state needs you to be at the moment. These are all reflections of what your country is asking for you. In the 30s, it was the best thing you could be was a soldier and fight the Nazis and of the 40s. And thank God you did. And you can come back with that badge of honor. But now the best thing you can be is a really, really rich man. And that is directly related to how the country and the government is moving across space and time and how colonization shifts and how imperialism changes so that directly relates to how who that directly changes what a woman's supposed to be when men went to war and women had to start being workers and had to start working in factories the new marketing was a strong woman works yeah and and suddenly you know the core values of america imploded but the second they came back you you go back home and you go to the kitchen i think if, if we see it in terms of these gender norms and these these things aren't natural to us they aren't ours they they're we're not born feeling a specific sexuality we're not born we're born a, a baby 
and then you grow up and you take the world in and you make your decisions i think in terms like the big discussion if someone born gay it's the same thing as someone born a woman it's womanhood as a natural biological thing just doesn't exist the the, the chromosomes do and even genitals again we're talking we can talk about intersex people those aren't directly related to gender so once you get rid of gender as a whole in terms of we put this conversation in a vacuum and we get yeah. rid of gender it sexuality ceases to exist and people are just human beings who have sex and or reproduce with each other and have romantic relationships which to some extent was how things were done in tribes when a woman would give birth it, she would raise it with her brother with the family she was born with there there's all these different ways of society and building and there's kibbutz and there's all these different systems in place that are somehow trumped by and, and imposed all like gender. So I think that once in terms of what is masculine and what is feminine, like that, that goes back to the same thing. So many people, heterosexual people, gay people, non-binary people live with both. It's the, it really is the yin and the yang. And if we can accept that we have both in so many other ways, then why is it so important to maintain and actively pursue a version of masculinity or femininity that presents to other people. Uh-huh. In that, in that case, I mean, it is very interesting, specifically when you spoke about other tribes living different kinds of ways. I mean, we saw that also in Africa uh, when I was speaking with some, uh, well, with some queer people here in Brussels uh, for a project, and, and they were saying specifically that homophobia uh, or, let's say, the persecution of gay people in Africa was brought by... Uh, by the colonizers into Africa. Mm. I, have to dis I have some discrepancies regarding this because it is true on a, on a legal side because the colonizers did bring the legal code and the whole judicial system into Africa and into, uh, and into those nations and basically divided Africa how they, how they deemed fit in that, in that way. Um, but then again, how can it be explained that then, for example, when it comes to the feminist movement, the whole, the, the whole thing was predicated upon let's embrace our femininity, let's embrace our womanhood, let's embrace right. our genitalia. Everything that defines us women is that. So how, how can that be counterbalanced or find a, a common ground, let's say, today uh, with all of that? Well, I think um, that goes to the difference of, of like liberalism and leftism. I think liberal feminism or or the way that feminism is marketed and what gets made into the media is very white and very cisgender and very heterosexual. A lot of times when women speak about wanting rights, they want rights for themselves. For example, Susan B. Anthony, supposedly a great feminist icon that got women to vote, her argument was, I, I, how can a black man have a vote before a woman? Yeah. So it's like, this this feminism that we speak of isn't inherently feminism because it's just women trying to get closer to the power of a man in terms of deciding who's a woman and who's not. In terms of embracing your femininity, I personally find that to be bullshit. Um, I'm like I'm a queer woman and I, I I feel comfortable expressing myself and my gender and my sexuality whichever way I want, and none of that has to do with embracing femininity. It's embracing everything, and that's the point. I think that the, the, the greatest argument for feminism that I, I hear that the organizers that I'm around argue for is the, to some extent, the abolishing of gender overall, that without this dynamic, it's not 
as women, let's get, let's be equal to men. It's less, let's abolish the system that suppresses us. Let's get away from the inherent binary that will always be there. In that, okay, so then that's, um, because I'm trying to wrap my head around, because now when we speak about gender specifically, and then we can, we, we can understand like, because uh, there's two difference between gender and what is sexual orientation, right? And that's stuff that, that needs to be understood mm -hmm. in both ways. Um, I'm seeing now, correct me if I'm wrong, because now you, you live in, in, in New York, right? Yes. And in New York- I live in Brooklyn. Yeah. So how many genders are there officialized in, in the state of New York? Was there 30 something? Oh, I, I truly cannot tell you from like the legal perspective. I don't know, but <laughs> I think that's a good example. The fact that genders need to be legalized is the problem. Officialized more like, yeah. 30, yeah or officially, the fact that, that, that the government has to give validation of a gender identity to an individual is a clear sign that something is wrong. I think that whether there's 38 genders officialized or 100 or 5,000 million, every word of the language combined, I think that's fine. I think the best case scenario is ab abolishing, like getting rid of the idea of a gender to be officialized. That is a sign. Genders getting officialized is a sign that um, there is a problem because the, the official law should be you can't discriminate across any gender. It doesn't matter if the state validates it or not. And that, that goes back to our conversation of liberalism and leftism and, and like the concept of reform versus abolishment. Yeah, you can give all of the validation, but the whole point is that gender, like people who are trying to get away from gender, it's not that they're trying to find a gender that makes sense to them. Some of them are for sure. But the whole point is that you don't need this weight of performing, of appearing, of presenting upon you. You just want to exist and you don't need the validation of state to do so. Because Unless think, you're getting discriminated for. Yeah, because I think in that sense, we actually do agree, because then we come back to the, to the idea of how, how do we fight for gender rights, right? Or how do we fight for race? Or how do we fight for, for racial rights? How do we fight for, for yeah, gender, racial uh, rights in general? Uh, and that's to go through the, either do we go through the collectivist idea or do we take into place the individual? Because that's basically what you're saying. We take each person individually in their, in their sexuality, right? But then where does that individualism also stop? Because... When we can have, if you say we can have a hundred genders, that can basically mean that anyone can pretty much identify as, as whatever they want to identify as. Mm -hmm. yeah. how, how, how would that work legally in terms of, let's say, prisons or in terms of uh, schooling or in terms of mm -hmm. um, ID cards, right? Because you need some way of yeah. identifying people. But I, I think... And like this might, might seem like a very radical thought, but if you really take the time to think about it, in terms of the prisons, we should talk about that when we talk about yeah. abolition. But <laughs> yeah. in terms of the ID cards and schooling, why do you need why do you need to know? Like, why do you need to know if someone is a is a, what gender someone is? If you're gonna if you're gonna give them a, a fine for doing something, or if you're gonna teach them math, why do you need to know? If you're gonna teach sexual health, why do you need to separate them? If you're gonna talk about rape, if you're gonna talk about sexuality, why do we need to separate and give individual lessons? Catholic schools, whatever, that's a, that's a religious thing. Like I have nothing to do with that. But in terms of public schools, in terms of um, your public ID card, in terms of your, your driver's license, uh, of, of who, of, of what court represents you, of, of what type of, of what you can label the violence that you experience. Why do we need this one or the other? And, and 
yeah, if there's 150 genders, then every then maybe everyone can find something within that that works. Why isn't that a good thing? If everyone can find the jobs ideally, right? The job that they want. If everyone can with with progressive laws find love that they want and 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 be in a in a in a marriage institutional or not with anyone they want. Why can't you identify with with anything that you want? If you can pick your name, why can't you pick the way that you're perceived? Okay, so how would that work? So okay, we, we, for schooling, I completely agree. I think in a, mm-hmm. in a in a schooling environment, everyone should have the same education, right? In yeah, in that case for either maths, English, science, or whatever. Uh, but then I'll be taking, for example, the 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 sport issue because there has been a, a a lot of people saying. I think it happened in Texas once that this uh, trans woman um, started competing in a mixed martial arts against women, right? But that trans woman ha- was biologically a man throughout let's say 30 years ish so it's a bit if that woman was on steroids for around 30 years how would that work let's say in in sporting for example how can you divide these different leagues well the number one it's not like she was on steroids for 30 like i mean testosterone is different than steroids in in a lot of ways it's like but specifically and then like physically, two, you, physically you have yeah no i i i get what you mean in terms of the imbalance but like Michael Phelps has longer arms than the average human being. He has a certain yeah. biological advantage. Yeah, completely. He wins everything. <laughs> he wins everything that he wants. Completely. I, I really think that, like, again, it's it's this obsessive need. Like, if if we let people participate in sports, I find I find the sports issue difficult to argue because I don't know inherently like the biological difference in terms of sport i know that it differs in who has an advantage in what sport in terms of the body that you're born with and the hormones that you have but hat like i think it it should be like i can't make the law for that because i don't want anyone to be in physical danger like for example if people played um rugby if if a group of cis women played rugby with a group of cis men that would be dangerous for the cis woman but i'm saying that in terms of of, of who gets to play what sport if we just let people compete by weight class by ability I think that would change the game and if more men end up in the higher weight class then that's the case does that make sense yeah yeah I, I actually, understand for like a sports no no no, no 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 completely sense. completely that actually that actually does make sense because then that basically I have heard this idea before and I had this conversation with a uh with a friend of mine where she was basically saying the same thing as, as, as you do that to divide people by their weight class let's say and by their and by their physical attributes not necessarily by their gender when it comes to sports but then what you could say that basically if you only get 100 people that can um so you mix men women and every single gender there is and you can only get 100 people to to fight in one specific league you will find 99 men and maybe one woman in mixed martial arts so i disagree i, so, I think that I, I truly, I truly disagree. Um, I think in terms of ability, I mean, maybe that is true today because of the lack of opportunity for women non-binary people in these sports. And, and, and again, we're talking about, if, if we talk about STEM, STEM sports, women are not encouraged to pursue the same sports that men are. So yes, in terms of martial arts, to some extent, it could be. But martial arts is a great example. Ability and training are a very big factor. Strategy, movement, it's, that is something that is taught, that is learned. That's not an inherent not biological, biological ad- But there are some biological that. attributes that help you. I gave this example for basketball, the same thing. Basketball, you need to be minimum, I, in the NBA, two meters tall. Minimum, minimum. Yeah. 
two meters yeah. a bit like six six foot five right more or less mm -hmm. i think two meters uh that's minimum if you're 195 you're most likely i mean i love basketball and i couldn't cut i couldn't make it because I'm, I'm 185 184 so i can't really make it professionally in basketball unfortunately but that's also something so if you take uh 100 people that can play basketball just basically based on height i mean you can train as much as you want in basketball right but you cannot grow just by eating spinach and that's the that's the problem what will happen then how would how would women's rights of having their own league be be let's say uh respected in, in that regard how would women have their own league of basketball to be able to thrive in that sport when it's all taken by men because they're biologically higher well i think in terms of leagues like different teams pick different like there's so many sports and so many different leagues and so many different teams representing specific cities so there is a lot of people to play in a lot of different places number one and like there are different factors to who gets picked and who gets drafted and that does apply across gender gender lines but in terms of like who represents the nation who represents the state it should be an equal opportunity thing and if men because they are taller end up in this situation it's fine but i know some tall ass women and again, if yeah. we're talking about what bodies are allowed to play this and, and what bodies have this natural ability, our perceptions of, of ability get, get defied every single day in terms of there are some short basketball players, there are some really short swimmers, and there are a lot of, of like people who are ballet dancers that aren't a little twig. I think that, again, all of these, um, their, the sports are gendered inherently in basketball, although so many women play basketball and WNBA is amazing, it is a gendered male sport. Therefore, you will find more men in that sport and you will find supposedly better men who get better coverage. I think, again, if, if it's talking about representing the country, representing the state, it should be equal opportunity. But in, in certain teams, I can't, I'm not saying get rid of the WNBA. I'm saying that people, regardless of gender, should have the opportunity to represent their city or their team. <clears throat> or their nation. Okay, so that same equality opportunity, but then you could argue that they will not have that same equality opportunity because they do not have the same equality, the same biological equality. So they're not on the same standing point when it comes to that sport. But the thing is, you can you could compare a woman and a man and find the same differences in a woman and another woman. I think if we're really boiling down things to gender, like to, to, bi to biological sex, like our bodies are changing, like natural selection really does change our bodies. And again if we're talking about countries people in croatia are really really tall they're not the best basketball players it really is in terms like we don't know what would happen if this would happen because we've never in the western society as we know it we've never existed that way we've never actually given that opportunity so we don't know how many men would end up at the other side all of these things that we learn we get disproved biological things that we've been taught about gender and biology every single day i don't think that the possible that the possibility of mostly men getting to represent their country should <laughs> take away the opportunity of, of other people trying so basically just predicated on competence and and hard work in absolutely in, 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 in that regard not, but 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 that is directly related to their opportunity from when they're born and where they get to play and what they get to practice and that will obviously defer from gen will will vary from gender and from race. <laughs> okay, um, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around because I did have this conversation and I see it very difficult on how we can actually abolish gender in that case or actually disregard mm -hmm. biological attributes that people have when they're born when it comes specifically to sports. 
mm-hmm. in that case or for prisons. Well, it's, it's it's not disregarding. I think that's again like it's not like abolishing the gender in gender in the sense that you don't get to be a man if you wanted to. Like you don't get to do this. You don't get to dress this way. You don't. It's not. It's like you get to choose to be represented as a man. And also, gender will never be completely abolished because we have gotten this far with the with a very strict social construct of gender. So it's never going to be completely abolished, no matter how hard we try it. And that, and I'm not saying to disregard physical attributes. I'm saying to acknowledge, like, if, number one, sports are not just based on physical attributes, and people do transcend that constantly, like, very much constantly. Like, look at the Special Olympics, for example. Like, like the, the physical attributes and the mental attributes, we determine, we give success, and we name to all these amazing things are like biased already. So I'm saying we don't know what would happen if we do allow women and non-binary people to enter these spaces where are fully fully male dominated with the same opportunity. And and we don't know what would happen. Like um, I genuinely do mean that. I'm not saying disregard all physical okay. attributes. I'm saying find a way to to put these th- this argument in practice and we'll see what happens so give the same chance to that's, women that's what opportunity is so okay so basically saying to give the same chance to women um for example to play basketball as men would have basketball example i can talk more like like soccer football and and i think that both of us know more about or at least i know if you put like if we're talking about putting people in weight mess in weight categories Putting people as well the same the same trials the same standards and then putting people in in, in those teams I think that that's just as they do for men by themselves include other people in that decision and see if they make it I'm sure the first round they won't because because of how because of opportunity from 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 birth and how like soccer is embedded in latino men and more than it is like more than it's encouraging latino women but i'm saying with time progressing and seeing people play with each other i think that that would change things um actually i have to disagree on that because i really do not think that in the end if we do if if honestly if if you do get let's say a hundred women the hundred best women and the hundred best men to compete for the basketball it will maybe be 80 20 Right. You're leaning really hard on like the basketball and like if we talk about any sport that's not directly impacted by height. Okay, snooker, snooker, snooker what's, could be. What's snooker? Um, it's not soccer. Pool, pool. Oh. Pool. I don't. I don't. So I don't know. <laughs> so okay, so 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 pool for example, pool doesn't really have anything to do with strength, height, nothing, right? Pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, so men and women could compete against each other. Yeah. Right. Why, why don't they in pool specifically? I, I think, like, is pool pole vaulting? No, no, uh, um, snooker. So where they have, like, the stick. Oh, pool. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I mean, in terms of, like, prof- professional pool playing, I don't know. But when I go out with my friends, I play with all genders. Like, that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Like, all, like, I mean, you can, these, you can. Yeah, you can. And, and people should and people do. And poker, women play with men. Like, I think yeah. it's just like all of these like moving away from physicality even better like there again you could find you could pick up a a female brain and a male brain and find the same amount of differences as a female brain and another brain people individually are so different yeah and 
And I think that if, if you apply that individuality to sports and let people compete with each other, I think it's similar to the best actor category, best actress category. There's no reason why these categories should be judged separately. There's no reason. There's think, really no reason. I think they start to be judged separately to give the rights to women to be able to, to, to get those same um, opportunities in that regard. That's what happened with the women's but that's the difference between liberalism and leftism is yeah. that representation is different from actual acknowledgement. You're the best of the women. That's bullshit. That's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Okay. 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 I think that's a, uh, I, I think we'll leave it there because I've been speaking quite a bit about that, but that will be uh, yeah. I mean, that's a very, very interesting part to say. I mean, should we abolish completely the genders and say everyone has everyone take everyone as, as an individual, um, compared to foreign movies and then to best film parasite finally won. A, a, yeah. a category that is usually strictly given to American movies. The fact that you need to separate it, it's not because, yeah, probably a lot of mostly American films were win and you're giving the foreign a chance, but it's so demeaning that for your movie, the one movie's best movie, the other movie's best foreign movie. That shows, although it is an American production, it doesn't, re it's supposed to represent the Oscars in general, the world film, and yeah. it's insulting, it's insulting that you create a separate category for every other country in the world. If you set up most of the American movies against movies from Korea, Argentina, anywhere in Europe, anywhere in Africa, it's, it's, it's insane. It's, it, there's brilliant film created and, yeah. and it doesn't get acknowledged and you get one, you get one movie. It's, it's bullshit. But yeah, then, sorry. <laughs> isn't that, no, no, of course I, I get that point of view. So then maybe that we can just jump on specifically uh, with the, uh, well, the difference, differences between the US and Europe when it comes to, because the way I see, I know when I've been defending a lot specifically is to think more as individuals and not think as much as collectives, right? Mm. Um, and that's basically what the identity politics is working for. So what's your view a bit on the collectivist side of seeing things? Because that's basically what's happening is that we're judging people by their, by their physical characteristics and not basically what they can bring to the table or or the content of their character, let's say. So how, how do you see those movements specifically in the United States? Uh, and then I can give a bit of my point of view on what's happening in Europe. But in that regard, how, how do you see the overall spectrum? Should we keep the collectives as rights movements or should we more focus on the individual and say that every single person, just by the fact of being human, should have the same rights, should have the same equality of opportunity to, to, in order to get them to that freedom of choice, right? Without freedom of choice being biased by one thing or another. Well, I think, I think they're both inherently connected. I think that they're in relationship with each other all the time. Of course, we obviously need, um, we acknowledge that every single human has needs. And, but just by that statement being made, there is, there is the assumption that that is happening to some extent. And, and when people say, for example, Black Lives Matter and other people say all lives matter, that is inherently taking away from the fact that Black people are being murdered. There is a way like everyone deserves rights. That's the only way we should approach this issue. But because everyone is not getting their rights and the state is not representing everyone equally and there are actual laws in place that are racist and are anti-immigrant and are anti-women, it shows that all people are not getting their rights. So there has to be more specific statements and more specific movements to give, to highlight the fact that a certain group of people is not getting rights. At the same time, that is harmful because the black community gets put into a monolith and, and they're not. And, and for example, a bad example is Joe Biden saying, I, I voted for Joe Biden, but I don't like him. Joe Biden said, I don't think anyone um, does. 
yeah, literally. Joe Biden said, we are all, um, if you're black, you should vote for me. And, yeah. and that is just, I think that is the negative side of identity politics. Is someone feeling that they deserve you, they're entitled to your support because the they think they've skin. done stuff. And just by the color of your skin and because they believe they've done something for one aspect of your community. And that's bullshit. So in terms of identity politics, like it's it, like liberalism takes it to the extent of just representation and just black models and, 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 you know, highlighting black Republicans in, in the, in the, in the Republican National Convention. But in terms of leftism, it, it's to make sure that LGBT people have housing for LGBT people because that's acknowledging that they're at a higher risk of sexual assault and homelessness. Um, identity politics in the left is reparations for indigenous communities, for black communities, because their rights have been actively taken away. So it's, it's in terms, the, the, the acknowledgement of human right existence is one thing. The, the identity politics is highlighting, in, in, when it works positively, it's highlighting the fact that these rights are not being put in place and that they need to be respected and they need to be, something needs to happen at this moment. I think that I can already lay out the differences specifically between what you consider as liberalism and what Europe considers as liberalism. Like I told you really? before, uh, my political point of view, let's say, in, I would, in the US, I would most probably be from the left. I mean, surely I would be from the left. Um, in, in Europe, not as much in some European countries, I would be center rightish, right? Cause there are some things that we already agreed upon and specifically liberalism, the way you say the, the, the way people see it here is a right wing movement, right? Because we do focus on the individual. Let's say you want to focus on some parts of the liberal economy, right? A kind of, a kind of free market, but still with a control of the state for the free market not to become uh, corrupt in, in that what way. it is in the US yeah yeah so so so, so that basically me, those prime let's say differences between what can be considered liberalism and I think what liberalism has been considered basically in a in anglophone country so also in the UK when you call a liberal you call a liberal from the left side of the political spectrum and a conservative from the right side of the, of the political spectrum um, so in that regard liberalism it's very, very difficult to actually define nowadays because I think we can define it in, let's say, classic liberalism, where people do understand more what that means instead of just purely call it liberalism because it does change from country to one country to another. But, in, yeah, but I, I heard you say about um, racist laws in the, in the US. Can you give an, an, an example, let's say, of what could be considered a racist law or what could uh, affect one specific community in the United States compared to white people, for example? Yeah, absolutely. Um... I could say that most of most, if not all, of the laws that came out against the war on drugs um, are racist, um, because if we look at <clears throat> drug usage in the U.S. and who uses drugs and what drugs are used, there's a there's a pretty equal correlation between the black and white community and um, everyone in between. There very much is. Um, like there very much is like in between marijuana and cocaine and alcohol, there's equal usage, but in terms of who gets arrested and who gets criminalized for More it, black very men. Exactly, or black women as well. And even in terms of solicitation, in terms of sex work, in terms of so many, in terms of who does like like school fraud, there was a recent very famous case with Lori Loughlin who um, lied, who, who bribed people to get her daughter into school. Yeah, yeah, I saw and that. And she, she gets jail out of, at a private, very wealthy jail and she's in no immediate danger 
And when some black mothers do have to do this to get their child into a better public school in terms of how they get their meals, how they get their education, their safety, they get criminalized and they get so much time in jail. So, so a lot, I, in, not, not, as, not necessarily, although there are racist laws, not necessarily the, these laws are explicitly racist. Exactly. These yeah. are the people, yeah. but the enforcement of these laws. The way they're implemented damaging, or the exactly. way they're translated. Yeah, because that's interesting, especially when we speak about the equality within people inside the, the judicial system. And I can give you an example of what happened in Spain, which is quite the opposite of that. It actually goes against, let's say, the, um, uh, the, the feminist uh, rights in, in that way. Because what happened, there was this uh, teacher in, um, in Spain, right? This woman that had an affair with a 12-year-old, 13-year-old. So it was basically considered under the law p- uh, pedophilia. And yeah. she got around two to three years in prison, right? For having this affair with that student. And then a few years before, a few years later, a man uh, had the same kind of relationship and he got 15 years. Mm-hmm. So that's also, we see some gender bias, uh, does it? And then he, here we come to, to a question which I actually heard this regarding hate speech a lot. It does not necessarily hate speech. What, what I heard for hate speech specifically, and that, but we won't get into hate speech just to give the example, is that hate speech is not, predicated on the content of what you say but on the identity of the, of the of the aggressor in that case would that be the same thing let's say for for genders in the judicial system what happened in spain that a woman got only two years for the same crime when a man gets 15 or in the united states where a black man would get 15 years and a white man would get three years how do you find the right balance or what could be the causes of these different problems that are that are happening around the, around the world Yeah, that's a great question. I think in terms of when we're addressing um, an adult, she raped this child. It wasn't an affair, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I called it an affair because that's how it's been been portrayed in the uh, the media. When a man did it, it was a man raped the 13-year-old. Absolutely. But then the woman did not rape the 13-year-old. The guy was completely, it was consentful. I think, well, both of those hearing, like, both. The fact that she got only a couple years is actually the root of sexism as well. The yeah. fact that a woman is cannot be perceived to have um, sexual agency, even when she's an adult and she's being predatory towards a child, this child, literal child, is is considered a man, is considered a con- like to some extent less of a victim than yeah. a woman. Yeah, and yeah. To some extent, could be believed that an, an adult woman could fall for could fall to the charms of a little boy because his sexuality is considered a man but that is like again that is not to some extent the 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 judicial system leaning towards women that is still leaning towards men it's harming men but it's still leaning towards men because it's taking away any assumption that this woman has sexual agency it's very similar to when people say like 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 men getting raped and men getting uh, assaulted it's not by, the same thing by, as, by, a, as if a woman yeah of course by by yeah. any gender by any man is is a feminist issue as well because feminism is for the equality of of um of the gender so in terms of th- this woman getting getting tried as basically consensual to some extent like she they, they acknowledged something wrong but they didn't criminalize her for it that much that shows that that the system is sexist and will lean towards women have no sexual agency yeah it's uh, to see i agree with that point i i agree with that point but i would like to give an, an another example of a law that was uh, in spain and specifically brought by this uh, left feminist movement right 
which in that case does explicitly show that men and women are, are not equal in front of the law when it comes to genocide of the opposite sex because it came into uh, into gender violence right that's basically how, how, how they called it and it's uh, this law uh, which is called in spanish la integral de violencia de género where so integral law or violence of violence of, of, of gender violence and what happens that because a man kills a woman it's directly let's say portrayed as a gender violence regardless of the cause of why that person was killed yeah. Uh, then when a woman kills a man, she will not get the same amount of time in prison, regardless of the reason why that person was killed or why that 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 murder was committed, right? And that's also a problem where one side of sexism is is favoured. How can that be balanced equally? So let's say, how can these social rights movement can't go overboard uh, with some things they they tending to defend? Because then we call it, we speak about feminism, which I I completely agree that the that feminism. It's, it's being translated in a lot of different ways nowadays, but the actual basis of feminism is to look for equality of, of genders, right? That's the, that's the idea. But we've seen mo feminist movements that don't necessarily think that, like retributive feminism, that think now that, that women need more chances because men have had them in the past. So how do you counterbalance all of this, uh, let's say, retributive feminism, or how would you describe it nowadays? So I'm gonna first back to the like the 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 Spain um, yeah. Spain law. I think it's really important to say the fact that when men murder, like femicide, is a very big thing in Spain and in the world. The murder of women just just by men, just by existing. I think that the fact that there has to be laws um, telling you that when you murder someone from your opposite sex it's a, it's you're you're murdering someone from your opposite sex i find that kind of redundant but the fact that men need need to be more punished they need a further sentence they need further names to maybe not do this then i think that's crazy i think the a man is more likely to murder a woman out of sex because of sexual violence because of gender violence than any other reason and if someone hits a woman with a car accidentally and they get tried with with gender violence yeah. then then that that is um, a fault of the specific case and, and yeah. the people arguing it because you shouldn't get tried for purposeful murder. But in terms of the fact that if you murder a woman for whatever reason, that is gender violence. I do believe that that is true and that is accurate. And if a woman murder, it's very similar to how racism towards white people can't really exist because it's not institutional. You can be prejudiced towards a white person for sure, but you can't be racist because you don't have the system behind you. Same with men. You can be, you can be, um, you can not like men. You can be a misandrist. You could say awful things about men, but it will never be seen. It will never be the same as the sexism that comes from men to women because men have the government on their side. They have the whole history on their side. They have their physical bodies on their side and they have their buddies on their side. It, same with, with, with these cases of murder. Okay, I'm, I'm going to get back. I, I will speak later on about systemic racism and, and uh, the systemic, uh, well, heteropatriarchy, basically, that's, uh, that's inside the institutions. Mm -hmm. um, so speaking about that specific case of when men need the, let's say, a motivation not to kill a woman, right, a, through, through legislation, which it, it is kind of, let's say, okay, it should work, right? The numbers show that did not work whatsoever. This specific law did not work in terms of, uh, of feminicides uh, towards, uh, towards women. 
my issue with this law is that it doesn't take into account the presumption of innocence. It takes into account that when a man kills a woman, regardless of the reason why that woman is killed, mm-hmm. he will still be judged through that law in that case. I mean, there are also contingencies taking into place, but that's generally how it works. We've seen a lot of politicians jump to directly when a woman is killed in Spain by a man, they jump to the gender violence uh, presumption and say, okay, this was gender violence. There was no other cause behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, here we come to, to the gender balance. What would happen if that woman would have, um, let's say, identified herself as a man? She would still be judged as a woman in that, in, in that specific case. And that's my problem with the identity politics side of things and why if we keep taking cases based on the, on the oppressed and the oppressor, we can never actually get to an actually true equality. I, I, think, I think the argument that someone would take upon another identity to get out of a law or to go into a bathroom or to take advantage of a situation is is not on your end but just in general a pretty weak argument because this violence that we see aren't isn't by trans trans like trans the people that rape people in bathrooms are cis straight men the people that the men the people that murder and cause this gender actual gender violence upon women are cis straight men there is a very like in terms of, of the queer community and trans men as, as, as a whole, that stands in a different spectrum than, than straight cis men do because a trans man does not have the years of validation and of privilege it takes to go and, and actually cause this harm to someone. You need to be backed up to like, in a lot of extents, like the, the, when some, when a man rapes a woman, when a man harms a woman, when a man murders a woman out of, it, malice and, and and gender violence that is not out of a vacuum it's not an instinct impulse thing that is years and years and years of of absorbing information of seeing how the people around you are treated of seeing who becomes president in the united states who gets to be the supreme court of the united states what you see your dad do what you see your mom take like there is so many things that validate the mind of a rapist and of someone who will cause this gender violence to the point where they do in those situations that is never the, 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 the women, that is never the queer people because they aren't validated to begin with. Their identity itself is, is a battle. For men and, and, and the people who cause this violence is because they are told that they can in inherent ways from the moment that they are born. Of course, there are some situations where someone will lose their mind and go and cause harm to someone in an alley. But as we know, these rape cases that are so prevalent in all of our societies are not from strangers in alleys. Yeah. I still think um, in that regard, because uh, I was going to say something, um, it's just kind of difficult to start saying, okay, this is cisgendered men or heterosexual men in, in, in that case. Because then we are basically saying that all men are like this and it just basically changes on the, on the no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing. So it's just in it inside their, their core and then it basically changes upon education right? It depends how they're educated or is it purely a social construct? It's absolutely, it's purely a social construct. Um, they, they, like, I'm, again, there are anomalies. There are, you know, there's like psychopathy, which keeps you from feeling certain feelings. Like there are, of course, so many variables, but especially when I'm talking about straight cis men, I'm not saying every single man. No, no, no. I, yeah, I, no, I, I get that, but it's I'm like saying, saying that, it's like saying not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslims, right? No, not at all. No, I, I mean, not even a little bit because um 
being like the this terrorist um stereotype that has been imposed on muslims was a creation of of other people there exists way more terrorism within white supremacy than there ever did from from islam just to put that to the side but i'm saying in terms of historically or now historically okay i'm talking even now if we're talking about the u.s which i am i'm talking but in terms of men um no, I'm not saying that. Again, I say that that gender itself isn't something that you're born with. So no, I don't think that people are born with this need to rape. Again, taking away the variables of mental health and that stuff. But I'm saying that only cis straight men in our society today have the system to back them up and to validate them to the point where they can cause the sexual violence and get away with it and get not and get a, confirmed to the Supreme Court and become the president of the United States and be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Like there is so many, like the only people that can, that get validated from the moment that they're born are these white cis straight men. And there are other people that do cause us harm, absolutely. But I do think it's echoing from that. As we talked about, I think that rape and this violence was, is is impose like is a result of white supremacy and colonization and the violence has been imposed by the state to everyone but there are laws um uh, stopping people from com- from committing these acts whether you're a man or a woman so so how come people will still do this if you still if if if, if you have the legislation behind it to actually say you have a right not to be killed because nobody can kill you based well, that, on that that goes back to saying who gets arrested and who what is a crime people there's so many laws against drugs but people still do drugs and yeah. it's just it's just black black and brown folks in america that get arrested the the people at wall street very much know that they're not allowed to do drugs legally and they get shipments in in big ass tanks to to jp morgan and mm-hmm. and then nothing happened no one gets arrested so i'm saying like Contacts. again yeah but legislation doesn't mean shit because again this system George Washington became a founding father under and, and and was living under the law where you can't um, own slaves for the, this extended amount of time. And he himself, founding father, broke the law. These people um, create these systems just to support themselves. So the same people that, again, we're saying vote, um, legislate against abortion are the same people who have abortions for their daughters, the same people that solicit sex work. It's just, it's who gets criminalized. So is a bit, are you going to divide the, the art from the artist in that, in that, because we, we spoke about George Washington just before, are you going to say, okay, just because that person, cause I think, okay, we can take Trump for an example. I don't think anyone actually likes Trump. I mean, I think Europe is completely I know, anti-Trump. I know plenty of people that like Trump. But I mean, I think they like them because they hate the other, the other option. I don't think no. at the beginning, actually anyone liked Trump as a person or, no, or do you disagree? Trump is the American. Trump is the fat, disgusting, bad man. He is, he, is, he is a bad person, and so many Americans love his opulence. His, love, American, he, love his Americanism. Love his racism, love his sexism, love his history of sexual assault. They feel represented by him. That is what they want America to be. They love him. They feel protected by him. I think so. It's okay. So, so, so regarding that, I think... Uh, hey, let's finish. Let's speak about Trump and Biden just a bit le- later on and speak about the elections and see... Because I have my theory of, of why Trump will get re-elected. Oh, uh, absolutely. Voter suppression. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's get back to specifically uh, the, the systemic racism and, and all of that. Because this is an example that I gave uh, of why one factor so my problem with systemic racism is that you do not take all the variables into it right you do not take all the different variables that can act uh or let's say or be 
or have black people be more persecuted in the United States for one specific uh, uh, criminal activity. So we said, for example, on weed or the, or, or the war on drugs, black people proportionally are a lot more stopped and put into prisons because of these uh, crimes than white people. Um, would it be a factor, and this is a question, would it be a factor that maybe proportionally there are more black people in crime than white people, or, or, or do those numbers stay completely flat in the United States regarding that? And it's just basically an arbitrary manner of judging people or of policing. Um, well, I, and this, this might seem like a really general answer, but that goes back to like, what is criminality? If we're talking on the legal sense, black yeah. people- Yeah, yeah. Black people get arrested for more things for all the time. Like it's, it's, but then we're talking about where are the police cars? Where are these police stations? Who is being patrolled? Who's being watched? Who's getting sting operations done on them? Black neighborhoods. Exactly. And, and why are there black neighborhoods, strictly black neighborhoods to begin with? Because of redlining, because of banks refusing to give mortgages to black people. That comes from the 50s. That comes from the white flight. All of these, the, these things, um, these results, like, for example, the, the lack of, of good education in, in public, in public um, schools, the lack of resources, that's because um, the tax money comes from the income of the people that live in that zip code because of the history of redlining yeah, and I, history I of heard of that. and persecution if if you were to move into a white neighborhood this is the reason it's it's black people have been round up to to places that have number one been most affected by climate change which is like cities and they're forced to live in in in, in government housing that is different than government housing for other zip codes it really is ridiculous so basically it, it, because it, it, those zip codes don't get as much taxes they can't pay as much for the for the public infrastructures they exactly. need to and the reason why evolve. and one of the reasons why the the income is lower for the average black family than it is for a white family is because of the history of arrest and how many people get arrested how many black people get arrested and then that affects what type of job you get to have and then that affects how much you're at home how much how much money you can give your kid for lunch how many taxes you pay what health care you can provide it's it's very it's all connected and and I know it sounds very conspiracy theorist but it, you can really track down from the beginning of this country from the foundation of this country after the genocide of the Native Americans every single system in place has has been created to further the the, the difference between race 